The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Due to the ongoing pandemic and to follow social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was pre-recorded over Skype. Hello and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow and I'm doing the show tonight again with Sue Timberlake. Hey there. Uh, genre is uh, uh, under the weather right now uh, and what weather it is, so uh, quite understandable. And uh, yeah, so it's just the two of us. Uh, it didn't go too badly last time, so uh, hopefully we can maintain civility even as we indulge <laughs> in our partisan bickering. We'll have to invoke genre if we get off the rails. Indeed. So, um, uh, well, as I like to start off every show, I should just like to mention that we love to hear from our listeners, and you can get in touch with us via email at civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Or you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Or at civilpoliticsfm is how you can tweet at us. Or you can go to civilpoliticsradio.com, which is our website, which has uh, recordings of previous episodes of the show, uh, some supplemental episodes, and various other special goodies. So, so yeah, so there's that. And... Uh, we're recording this uh, uh, eight days before Christmas uh, uh, in 2020, so not much more of the year left to go. And uh, yeah, uh, I think this is probably going to be the last uh, uh, episode we do before we do some kind of year-end roundup, year year to come predictions or whatever kind of show we always sort of do when the uh, uh, when the end of the year comes up. Because we're, you know, lazy. Do, do we want to look back this year? Maybe we don't. Maybe we just <laughs> yeah, want to pretend that it didn't happen. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. We don't. If we if we look back, we <laughs> might find that it's gaining on us. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eyes straight ahead. <laughs> pretend it. Pretend it didn't happen. By the way, how much snow did you get? We got about twelve. I would guess. 10 to 12 inches out here in Western Mass, but you're in Boston area, uh, north uh, of Boston, I am right? north of Boston. Um, about the same, maybe a bit less. I Certainly at least half a foot. Um, yeah. Fluffy you know. or heavy? It, uh, it was fluffy last night. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's this COVID lockdown thing going on and I, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I actually hit the supermarket yesterday and stocked up. So I'm in good shape there. And, and so I, since I didn't have to go out and go anywhere, I kind of just said, Oh, snow day and didn't go out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Aren't they delicious? Did you hear schools aren't going to have snow days anymore? Cause they're all uh, virtual. Yeah. And, Everybody's saying, no, no, you should have snow days. They're really important because, you know, parents take the kids out sledding and you can't just kill it. And they're like, yeah, but then we'd have to go longer with the school year. Why, why do we, everybody's got 
you know, if everybody has, a, you know, if the power's out, that's one thing. But and the kids, everybody's got these really dejected looks on their faces. I'm sure. I I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. Like like snow days were one of the best things. One of my favorite parts of my childhood. I don't know anybody who doesn't feel the same way. You know, and and if they if they do, it's probably because they were like, yeah, but that was how I could get you know lunch, you know, or something like that. You know. Well, or, or, you how, know. or their home life was terrible. So, you know, the people who weren't in desperate, you know, dire situations, you know, a snow day was a great part of childhood. Yeah. Well, today I, I you know, I have a job that's like Monday through Friday. And um, I, I didn't, I told them it was going to be late because I had to snow blow the driveway, which I did. So mm-hmm. I show up and it's a skeleton crew. And uh, the big bosses have said, you know, you all should go home again at noon. And I had only gotten there at like 10 and I'm like, Oh, I can't, the phones aren't ringing. I can actually get some work done. Oh my God. I I don't want to go home. And I'm thinking my inner child is going, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Just shut up. (laughs) But they, they let me stay for a couple hours so I could finish stuff. They sort of locked me in and then they came back and let me out. And I was like, Oh, it's three o'clock. I never am out these days to do all my errands. Of course, everything's closed because there's a, you know, blizzard here. But I was just like a little kid driving around, going, I'm, "I can't believe I'm not at work." I <laughs> went with this, you know. And my dog, when my dog saw me, he's like, "Huh?" <laughs> but yeah, I get that that the the deliciousness of a day off that you didn't expect is, um, you know, it's important. It's an important feature of modern life. So I totally, I totally get it. But yeah, for a minute I was more like, Oh God, I have so much to do and the phones aren't ringing. This would be great. So, so yes, yesterday the phones are ringing. You'll find this funny. And um, I do some dispatching to pick up junk cars for people at the place that I work. And um, so it's, the snow is four hours away at this point. It's like two or three in the afternoon. Our, our tow trucks have been out all day because people have been calling for a week to get their cars out before it snows on them, right? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe the number of people that call us at like three o'clock in the afternoon saying, uh, I I just thought of this, but can you come get my car um, mm. like in the next half hour? <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? It's like, and no. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, and we did, we tried to get as many as we could, but our poor tow drivers worked until seven or eight at night. And, um, you know, it was not, it was getting ready to blizzard. So, you know, they were coming back just when it was starting. So it was not a good scene, but I, I wonder where that sense of timing is in people when that happens, like how do, how do people just suddenly think after their wife's been after them all year to get the car out of the, out of the driveway? (laughs) Oh, it's going to snow tonight. Let me see if I can get somebody to just take it away. And they haven't taken the plates off and they haven't cleaned it out and they, you know, they don't know where the title is. (laughs) Oh, that's exactly, you know, this is a, this is a low priority thing. This is a, I'll get around to it kind of thing. And so (laughs) it just kind of floats along and it's, you know, something they'll get to, but they haven't made the time. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, you've discovered that there's this, this issue that's been sort of lingering or, or flying under the radar for a while. And, and now suddenly it, the circumstances mean that it's a good idea to deal with it. Um, which is perhaps, uh, uh, somewhat the same as the federal government is discovering now that it's been revealed that a number of federal agencies have been hacked by the Russian government. So, Oh yeah. Or, or, well, 
uh, uh, private <laughs> actors who, of course, are in no way affiliated with the Russian government. I think that's. I think they've. They think they're pretty sure it's um, Russia. I guess that's what oh, I. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, but there's no <laughs> yeah. like, you know, the, yeah. the Russian government hasn't issued a statement saying, "We hacked the order of government all servers, Americanskis." Ha ha. You know, <laughs> Vladimir yeah. Putin isn't like you know showering, you know, covering himself in like, uh, uh, you know torn up uh uh you know secret emails from the state department or whatever yeah boris and natasha exactly yeah (laughs) um good spy bad spy or whatever that was um that was bullwinkle yeah i guess that yeah and then um good spy bad spy was uh, mad magazine you're probably too young to remember mad spy versus spy Mm -hmm. spy versus spy that was it yeah well you know it's interesting how they did it because it the the pieces that I've read on it is quite, it's quite simple and quite brilliant in the updates that go out, like from Microsoft and all, all those different companies, they actually embedded a little, um, I wouldn't call it exactly a Trojan, but a piece of code. You might almost call it messenger RNA, <laughs> hmm. not to be compared with the vaccine. So they sent a little piece of code out with the updates. They somehow infiltrated Microsoft and other companies. And so when you updated your computer, which everybody tells you to do, right? Patch it so it'll be secure. It downloaded a little piece of um, code that would replicate itself, not unlike, you know, the new vaccines. And um, so there was no real footprint to it because it, it, it got sort of laundered through the companies that had patches that they wanted you to put on your, you know, um, Adobe Acrobat and Microsoft. I don't know all the, all the ones that they think it came from, but it was pretty elegant. So it was actually hacking out. It wasn't hacking in. So that's why they're having trouble sort of figuring out who it belongs to. But I guess the, the code has some earmarks of authorship. So, Although, you know, you can imitate a Sylvia Plath poem, so I bet you can imitate somebody else's code um, style. But that's how they did it. And so all those little pieces of uh, messenger RNA and all the um, computer systems all over the world, including governmental um, computers. So it's actually broadcasting back the other way instead of hacking in. It's broadcasting back. So... And I can't believe our guys didn't think that could happen because it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not brand new coding. It's just, you know, it was brilliant to be honest with you. It's just a brilliant approach and the damage done. I don't think we actually know what the, what the damage is. Cause I don't think it's code that like disables the grid. You know, I think they would have found that it's more like code that takes information and sends it back when it feels like it. So it has all the information that's on those servers and computers that it made its way to. So, and I don't know if it was Cisco because Cisco's a lot of the routers in this country. So if I was going to hack something, I'd probably go after the Cisco routers. But I don't know if it was in the Cisco uh, I patches heard it was either. Something about a um, uh, some kind of software called or uh, Solar Winds. Yeah, I saw I saw something on. I didn't actually read the article on that, so I don't know. Did they say anything else in the article that you happen to notice about solar winds? I saw that one just as we were going on the air, and I um I I didn't read it. I figured I had enough 
Well, um, from what I saw, it was I, like uh, something called a network management system. Oh, okay. Yep. So that would be like going after Cisco. You're going after the infrastructure yeah. of the of the w- the way the network is set up. Yeah. So but I yeah, don't. They, I don't know how they manage to um, uh, get inside the. Uh, 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 update process. And my understanding is that uh, SolarWinds is like, a, it's a, it's a software made by a private company or, or I guess SolarWind is the company. I, you know, I didn't read I it very Solar closely. I think SolarWind is the company. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so, oh, right. Yes. The, the software is called Orion, I guess. So they, uh, uh, so they got they got infiltrated somehow by the Russians or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never worked in IT, and you have, so I was sort of hoping you could give me a better understanding. Yeah, I wish I'd read the article that I saw. I just said, oh, that's interesting, Solar Wind too, but but that approach is going after the um, is is going after the the updates and going after the um, really the infrastructure. So- in so a very different it, way. It, it it's like the classic we'll dress as police officers and they'll let us in because we're the police kind of approach. Um um oh boy. Um s- sort of but not quite because they know how to tell real police from not real police. It's like they had something that was very innocuous and then when it got inside the system it sort of um re- rejuvenated itself. So it was, it wasn't really identified as an item, like a, a thing, you know, a, a malicious code or anything like that. It actually sort of replicated itself from what I understand when it got inside the network, but how it came in was through the patch. So it was definitely code of some kind, but it might almost been at the, so in, in um, programming language, there's sort of layers of programming. Uh-huh. And so when you, when you type in Microsoft Word, that's like the dumbest level. That's like, you know, you're putting in letters and it's making a, a document. Yeah. A couple of la- layers down is sort of the levels of the um, internet protocol. And beneath that, even deeper down, is uh, what's called assembly language or machine language. And mm-hmm. I think this was more at that level. You know, it's code, but it's it's... Um, it's, uh, I can't make a car analogy, but it's, it, it is the ones and zeros that is almost unrecognizable to anything but the assembly, the machine level. And so I think that's, I think that's how they did it. Actually, it wasn't, it wasn't at any of the other levels where you can really detect it, but I'm, I'm speculating a little bit there, but that's kind of, you know, and it's not at the surface. It's not, it's not at the level of um, Visual Basic or C++ or, you know, some of the old languages like COBOL um, and the, or the new ones that like in the Internet, there's all these coding languages like Python. It's not in that realm. It's actually it, it got carried in almost um, almost like an inanimate object and um, got brought in that way. So. Hmm. Okay. So sort of, sort of, sort of brilliant, and sort of brilliant that it then could escape its um, its carrier. So, but it's it's on a lot of the government systems. I mean, they haven't really figured out where it all is yet. So, and how they found it, I do not know. 
Uh, well, I think an outside security company found it. That's what I read. So yeah. that there's a certain amount of like, well, why didn't the government spot this on its own? But I, I don't know. Um, yeah. so, so you don't know just how much you know, damage this could do. It's But like, they don't, from what I gather, they haven't like, you know, hacked the power grid or, you know, shut down air traffic control systems or anything like that, you know? Not, no. And I, I, I think it's early yet. I think they're just acknowledging that it happened. I think they don't really know the full range of it yet. And why they're mentioning it now, I do not know. Well, the one yeah. thing I, the one thing I, well, I think they didn't find it until early, uh, till recently. But the one thing I did see that I thought was, you know, a little alarming was the, uh, uh, the, comp- the, the government department that handles uh, uh, the security of our nuclear arsenal was apparently uh, yes. attacked. So yes, that's, yeah, I think they went pretty much anywhere they wanted to. Well, yeah. It, it, uh, the one thing I do, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense because trying to figure out like what's really going on with, uh, you know, Donald Trump, you know, doing saber rattling about expanding America's nuclear arsenal. I can certainly understand why uh, anybody would be interested in that, but uh, it's nevertheless, yeah. you know. Okay. Well, and I, I guess sort of one of the pieces to it is um why did it get announced now? Um, is it Biden coming in that um, it sort of revealed it? You know, that Trump, I would imagine that the Trump administration would have kept a lid on it. You know, you'd be shot if you if you mentioned it to anybody. Whereas the Biden seems Biden administration seems to be much more open and um, transparent. And I don't know if that's a good thing that we know. Um before they know what the realm of it is. Do you, do you know what I mean? There's a certain amount that you discover a burglary and you want to collect some facts before it really hits the press. So I don't, I don't really know where we are in that. I, I don't know if I'm asking that question the right way, but it's just, it's just odd timing, I guess. And it may be that Biden's administration is so transparent that they decide to release it. It could you know, be. The people who are going to work the- for him. The Biden administration isn't, um, you know, isn't actually in power access yet. yet. But they did start getting briefings. Sure. So they may have gotten briefed and decided to, you know, or well, told the agency to, to leak it. Uh, I suppose that's possible. Uh, my understanding is that it come out because of announcements from private uh, security companies from from the from the private sector and not from the actual government uh, departments. Yeah. Uh, and, that and usually people have if been... you're in, yeah, if you're in security, you don't usually do that without permission from the government. You know, when you when you do security for the government, you're sort of sworn to secrecy unless they decide they want you to release it. Well, so yes, that, but I, mean, I think the I, point think is right. that solar winds, I guess they make the, the software they use is made, uh, they make is used by any number of non-government actors, you know, like yeah. big Fortune 500 companies. So and they would have le- told them too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They would have told them. And so that's yeah. how that would make sense. It could become public that way. Um, but your, yeah. your point is: Have you been following news out of Florida? Because Governor Ron, think- De- well, you heard about um, I can't remember her name right now, but the woman who uh, had been running the public health information web portal for the state 
in the beginning of the year and she uh, was fired because she wouldn't uh, uh, alter the information to make the state look better? Yes, I heard. I heard that. So it's been, that's a story of about two weeks ago, maybe when it yeah, broke. Well, would you well, guess? Yeah. She, well, maybe a little bit they, more. They, the uh, uh, state law enforcement raided her house and seized computers and cell phones and whatnot uh, because apparently they were concerned. She wouldn't that, do what the governor said. Yeah. Well, well, she was continuing to update her. The she she recreated the website and was continuing to update it on her own as a private citizen. Um, but they basically, the, the, the state law enforcement raided her home because it's like, well, how are you getting this, this state information? And, you know, the, you know, how, how can you be getting this information without somebody who still works in, uh, for the state giving you this information and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So, and but that's, uh, that's apparently, awful. well, and apparently governor DeSantis, uh, uh, the, the state of Florida for the couple of weeks leading up to the uh, election on November 3rd uh, stopped updating uh, the uh, reports on uh, COVID mortality and whatnot to uh, yeah. make things look better. Make it look better. Yeah. And in a state like Florida with all that elderly population, that's, you know, extra criminal, I, you know, that, that ability to silence, I mean, that's, I'm, you know, I'm a total freedom of speech person and you, I assume you are too. And, um, it, when you realize that government's trying to do that to some of their employees and trying to silence them and that they'd raid her house, it's, you know, it's sort of mind boggling. Well, I'm not an expert, but my understanding is that, uh, the, uh, federal law when it comes to, uh, whistleblowers, uh, is that um, you can't, uh, if you work for a government agency, uh, you can't uh, release information that has to do with your job. Yeah, it's not so, counted as whistleblowing. Right. Yeah, it's counted as like squealing or, or you know, leaking or, yeah, you're supposed to go through the channels for whistleblowing. Right. So even if you have a concern, you're like, you know, you're not like, like the, the protections yeah. of whistleblowing and also of the First Amendment don't apply. You know, it's like it's not protected speech if you're like, oh, my God, the governor is covering up, uh, you know, COVID deaths here in the state. It's like, yeah, but you work for the public health department, which is how you know about that. And that's the kind of thing you're supposed to be working on. So, you know, that's. Yeah. That's that's you working as an employee, not you as a as a free citizen informing the public of vitally important information. So, well, you know, the the FOIA Act might protect her. It it depends on what you know. If it wasn't specific people's names, the Freedom of just, Information um, Act. I don't think it does. But I'm well, not- because that's that's how newspapers and everything get data when they can't get it because the agency won't release it and then go through a FOIA requests. That's, that's, you know, that's how they get, they find out all kinds of things about governments. I mean, that, that's the tool that the newspapers and everybody use is a FOIA request. So she might, if if it was, um, if it was information that was public, she might be okay, but you're right. If it's private information, she, she could be charged for releasing that. 
and and by private information, you mean information that public agencies are collecting, but they were they've decided that they don't want to tell the public. That's they don't not get to public decide. information. Yeah, they don't get to decide what's public. That's the don't trick they of it. That's, no, they well they. I think they, they will do. I think that's the point. Obfuscate. Yeah, well, they will obfuscate and withhold, but the law says that they have to disclose certain things. So that's why you can use the law to get it. You're like, you know, no, you can't keep that secret. How many people died in Vietnam? So you think you know, the so your point is that uh, uh, somebody who works for uh, for the Florida Public Health Agencies could be calling up friends at the at the Miami Herald and saying you should request this information because yes. ooh it's juicy, yep. but yep. you know, uh, but actually sending that information to the reporter themselves uh, wouldn't be covered by FOIA, and that would be well, it would that could get them fired and all kinds of other stuff. Well, you and I can do FOIA. We anybody could request it. So even as an employee, you could request it of yourself. It would have to go through the channels. But I'm just saying that the information, if it's not specifically private, hmm. that it would be subject to the um, Freedom of Information Act, which means she wasn't being well. It's 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 a fine point on a piece of burlap, but. <laughs> But it's sort of it's just interesting that you could be um, treated as a criminal for releasing what's effectively public information. And some of the stuff is required reporting. I mean, that's, you know, the morbidity, mortality stats that the government puts out, those those things are required to be reported to the um, to all the agencies so they can they can release them. I mean, there's a lot of required reporting, like um, how many cases of I'm trying to think of a you know, measles and all that stuff. It's because they're, you know, there's a public interest in it. So th it is required to be reported. It, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm wondering what piece of data it was that she released that they were having such trouble with. Uh well, she was reporting all kinds of information about that's, how the that's by COVID. Was, yeah. yeah, exactly. Also, apparently, yeah. she'd been urging uh, sending messages to other state public health employees, uh, you know, her former colleagues, and saying, "Guys, we've got to get this information out there. We've got to let the public know what's going on." And yeah. that apparently is why they raided her home with guns drawn. <laughs> guns drawn. Yeah. Yeah, there. She actually like her 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 <laughs> webcam actually recorded the whole thing. If you if you go and look, you can see like the cops, you know, say we have a search warrant. They burst in. They start demanding that you know her parents, her her husband and her kids come down, and you know, and they say you know who else is here. And when she says my parent, my father, father, fuck, uh, uh, my husband and my kids are upstairs. That's when the cops draw their guns and point the guns at the ceiling. <laughs> That is, those cops should be embarrassed. Uh, I think if there's one thing we, we've learned from uh, the protests following the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor is that it takes a lot to embarrass a police officer. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So. Yeah, I, I remember the story. I just didn't follow it very closely. Right. Well, and, and you and, know it, I, I was going to say, not to be totally partisan, but like this is a Republican governor running a Republican a state that's controlled by the Republican Party. Like this is how they are running things, and 
you know, this is yeah. not limited government in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, in, in this state, we're run by a Republican governor, too, but the, the Congress is very Democratic. So it's, there's certain checks and balances. Uh, that's I think that's the main reason why uh, Charlie Baker uh, stays in office. Um, and he hasn't been doing the terrible job running things uh, under the during this pandemic. So, yeah, well, he'll probably wind up winning another term in two years, assuming uh, things don't change. But, yeah. Uh, we're actually just and about that, at. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I thought there was a new um, uh, citizens commission formed, and all, they had made all these recommendations about, you know, police reform. And I think he killed the bill. I think he uh, he didn't sign it. He vetoed it, which I'm I'm shocked at because it was his commission that came up with this, and the legislature passed it, and it was. I thought it was a done deal, but I, from what I understand, it actually he didn't sign it, so he sent it back for for changes. So. Well, uh, I, I actually didn't think to check on that story, but that is, yeah, that's certainly interesting. But uh, one of the reasons why, you know, as a you know hardcore partisan Democrat, I'm not super concerned about Charlie Baker's administration here in Massachusetts, is that anything he does can be overturned by the state legislature and the, the state legislature Easily. is solidly controlled Easily. by the democratic party. They have a, they have a veto proof majority if they want to use it. So. Oh, it's like 80 to one or something. Yeah. I, you know, there's a handful of us Republicans in, you know, in the state mm. Congress, whatever you call that legislature. State House. So, yeah, no, so, they can. Yeah, they can use, easily overturn it. So, but we're at the the halfway point of the show, so we're going to take a short break here, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a couple of minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. And I'm still engaged in a brutal partisan knife fight with Republicans <laughs> in Timberlake. <laughs> no rules in a knife fight, you know. Exactly, exactly. Oh, and you know, you you got me right under the ribs with that last one there. <laughs> I thought I came down from the top and got the carotid at the base of your. Never mind. No, I don't think so. But you know, jumping from no. the turnbuckle—that's uh, that's that's a pro move. So, um, and you told me it was only a flesh wound. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Uh, not unlike the Black Knight in Holy Grail. Yes, indeed. So, <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of. 
Come no, back, you chicken. <laughs> I'll bite your legs off. So, um, actually, that weirdly reminds me. Um, I don't know how much true relevance this has, but it's certainly. Uh, so, I don't know if you've been aware. You're aware of uh, the betting markets on U.S. elections. Um, it's you elite- know I. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't well, it's illegal those. to bet on elections in the United States. It's against the law, but it's not against the law in other countries. So if one can travel to those other countries or use this thing called the internet to place bets with offshore bookies, basically. Uh, I've heard of places like Betfair and whatnot. So, you know, there's there's bookies all through the UK, for example, and, and uh, there's another one called Bovada, I think, down in Panama or something like that. Anyway, I heard about them because I saw um, uh, on Twitter uh, uh, there's a there's a Twitter feed that I follow that's basically uh, people. I think it's called Coping Maga. It's about Trump supporters sort of uh, wailing and gnashing their teeth at uh, uh, you know the Donald has. Uh, you know, apparently failed to be reelected and so forth. Um, and in particular, uh, there apparently were a number of people who bet substantial sums of money uh, on the idea that Mr. Trump would be reelected. Um, and you can oh, understand. interesting. Yeah. And you can certainly <laughs> understand uh, why people would be dismayed that that's not happening. But the, the, so, uh, you know, as more and more money goes into supporting Donald Trump, the odds on a Trump victory get worse and worse. You know, it's like increasingly the payouts get smaller and smaller relative to the amount of the bet because the bookies are trying to, you know, cover their liability and, and, and you know, discourage everybody from betting on one side. You know, that's, that's, that's how these yep. markets respond to uh, where the bets come down. And the people backing Mr. Trump apparently are very, very committed to doing so. Um, And what's particularly astonishing about this is that people were allowed to continue placing bets even after election day. Because, of course, you know, the results are still being counted and whatnot. Uh, So So there's no... um yeah, nobody nobody got the f- official wind flag. Right. So they just let the betting keep going. So they're just like digging a bigger and bigger hole. Is Apparently, that- <laughs> yes. And the odds, of course, against Mr. Trump's victory are getting worse and worse as the results become increasingly clear. But people were continuing to put money on him. And, you know, and of course, Mr. Trump was also saying that he would, you know, if he loses the election, it's been rigged and you know, he would take it to the courts. And I can understand why people were, certainly I was very concerned that all the people who he'd appointed to the court would feel some loyalty to him uh, and to the Republican establishment. Well, or not enough that they're willing to compromise themselves by backing an obvious loser. I think if things were closer, I I wouldn't be surprised if they would have gone for him, but, but they didn't. And so now you've got all these, these, uh, uh, diehard Trump believers who are uh, discovering that they've lost, you know, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars on their bets on Mr. Trump's reelection. And they're, they're wailing and gnashing their teeth and, and, and posting threats against these companies online and everything. Rending their clothes and all that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. 
Well, it's a whole uh, it's a whole little subculture that's going on then, and it's overseas betting. So people obviously found yeah, that venue and it there's, put there's money not down. much recourse. Uh, yeah, you know the, yep. the you that's the, how you bet. So yeah, well, and you you can't really do anything about it from the United States. So um, yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's absolutely fascinating to see uh, just how devoted uh uh like a, a small like obviously a small number overall but like a, a significant number of people were to uh the idea that uh mr trump would would win re-election that they were just willing to you know put their you know huge amounts of money into it you know like i saw yeah, one one twitter post is like i bet my life savings on president trump to be reelected, and you know obviously it's a post on wow. twitter so it could be just you know somebody screwing around and making stuff up but yeah it has a certain ring of truth given how you know there've also you know all those uh, 126 members of congress signed on to uh the lawsuit filed by texas and uh eight, 17 other states and uh <laughs> you know, you know uh, people I, calling for martial law and so forth uh, well i expect that behavior of lawyers but not usually of judges I have to say I disagree with you on the part where you said people's loyalty and how the court, you know, courts threw out all those cases against all those places where elections were held. I mean, I I do have a faith in our judicial system still, perhaps unfounded, but you know that that you know that they actually look at the law and sometimes it doesn't go the way you want, but it's because there's some would you say technicality? And that's I have the best. some faith in uh, the institutional interests of the judiciary still. And I think there are, the, the, the courts are not, you know, utterly corrupt or, 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 you know, simply, you know, they, they haven't become, you know, cash and carry, uh, uh, you know, operations or whatever. Like, like I, I'm not completely trashing the U.S. court system, but I just have to look back 20 years to Bush v. Gore and yeah. Uh, yeah, I am completely confident that uh, Republican jurists uh, will absolutely act in uh, in uh, partisan ways to uh, rig an election if it's close enough that they can get away with it. Because well, you know, that's it's already happened. It, so I I I thought that way when it happened, the Bush v. Gore. But mm-hmm. I've heard more recently an explanation of why they decided it that way. And it was the drop dead date of the Electoral College that forced them in their minds to call it. That if you went past that date, that it was going to be actually worse for the country. And I, I can see that because there are there are some hard dates in the Constitution as to when things have to happen. You know, they used to let I think the president elect went until. March, and they moved it up because all sorts of shenanigans happened. But the Electoral College, there's some drop-dead dates where if it doesn't do this, then it goes to Congress and all that. So the Supreme Court may actually have been responding to a hard deadline rather than the fact that all the votes should have been recounted, which everybody agrees that's what should have happened, is that Florida should have been recounted, the whole of it. You know, not particular. You know, I think Gore... um, Bush asked for just certain um, communities to be recounted and Gore asked for different ones. And, but um, 
if you were purist, you'd want all of Florida to be recounted so that it was it was perfect, so that every vote was as best as could be established. And when I heard that explanation recently, that it was the hard deadline, that they had to they had to fish or cut bait, and that's why they limited their decision in this particular case, and they were like five days away from the electoral deadline or whatever it was. So I I hadn't heard that at the time. But I heard it more recently. So and I don't I you know, I haven't vetted that. So I apologize for repeating it. But yeah. it was it was sort of an explanation of why SCOTUS did that. It well, was, um, you know, certainly the financial interests of uh, uh, Justice Scalia and Thomas and <laughs> oh, Thomas is wicked. Yeah. And Rehnquist. He's, he's, certainly know. that had nothing to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, interesting. Anyway, certainly a, a low point for this country. Yes, and I'm—I have to say it's a high point when they've thrown out all the the, the these suits. You know that they hadn't even considered them because there was no evidence. I, yeah. I find that reassuring. Well, and Texas didn't it's have just, standing, so yeah. That, yeah, it's it's good I mean, to know that there's there's some you know competence remaining in the judiciary, but yeah, yeah. So one thing that sort of talking about offshore betting sort of reminds me, have you been following at all uh, the topic that we love to talk about that annoys drama to no end, uh, 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 Brexit? Oh, go on. Because uh, in two weeks, the <laughs> I UK- I love to talk about Brexit. Well, in two weeks uh, from recording, uh, well, two weeks from airing, the UK will have left the U- European Union formally. Uh, it will be New Year's Day of next year. And uh, uh, without any kind of trade arrangements, uh, there will be uh, tariffs and, and border checks and everything uh, for all goods entering and leaving the United Kingdom uh, from the European Union because they won't have any kind of formal trade or relationship. Um, yeah. And that's going to that's gonna create all kinds of problems, I'm sure. Um, do you do you think they won't get another extension? Do you think because right now they're basically both sides are saying this seems to be going nowhere and we're at we're at midnight and it's you know we're just un, unsolvable differences. Um, although think, they're still talking, I think if the United Kingdom were to reverse itself, uh, and at the moment they'll, they they passed a law last year saying that they would absolutely leave it at uh, you know midnight on the thirty first. Yeah. This year, so like the UK basically is through its steering wheel out out of the window, as you like to put it in the game of <laughs> they they toss yes. their steering wheel out the window last year, so they yep, worsen their payoff, so they cannot yeah right. So if there's unless there's some kind of mad scramble to 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 reach out and and run back and grab it and put it back on. Uh, there's there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, the the I I wouldn't be surprised if the European Union would be willing to grant uh, an extension if the UK asked for it. But the UK is legally enjoined by its own laws from doing so. Uh, you know, as part of the genius that is uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's approach to how this is all working. Uh, <clears throat> so as it is, um, yeah, I don't I don't I know what they're going to just... do. It's, it's just going to be a, a disaster. I think. Well, I I say I like Boris Johnson, as you know, and um, I think to some degree he's basically saying that we need to um, we need to wrap this up because the uncertainty is worse 
worse than the actual leaving Brexit, you know, leaving the European Union. So I, I think that he's forcing, I mean, I think he, he wanted it to be resolved. And while this is probably not the outcome he wanted, um, I think he's sort of hell bent on seeing it through because that's kind of his, his, um, his, um, you know, approach to it. So. Well, uh, it does, it, you know, uh, as we've remarked a few times when we've talked about this in the past, it does leave him in the very difficult position of being in a breach of the Good Friday Accords. It will mean that yeah. hard borders will have to go up between Ireland and Northern Ireland. And there yeah. is some indication that that will indeed lead to a, a, a resurgence of the the troubles, the tension between Protestants and Catholics yeah. in Northern Ireland. So yeah. won't that be fun? And nationalism, you know, nobody, nobody really likes um, um, England anyway, you know, Scotland, Ireland yeah. and Wales would all like, like to be rid of them. So <laughs> it's sort of an interesting time, but I, I, I watch it carefully and I just, I can't believe it's finally going to be resolved in two weeks, you know, sort of by hook or by crook. So. Well, it's certainly been dragged out, but um yeah, and you know, and they're pretending the whole thing is about uh you know that the holdup is just fishing uh rights and whatnot. And you know, that's that that that's like a, a narrow issue that has some relevance, but I think Boris Johnson is hell bent on um just getting it done. You know, that he really sort of ran on that, getting it consummated. He absolutely one way did, or the yeah. other. And, and, you know, there's some value in that because uncertainty is very tough on markets and places. And during this transition period, they have been planning for what happens next. I mean, they have been working through, you know, in the 11, I think it's 11 months they had well, the, to um, work the on European this. European Union the transition. Has, been has been working on planning this transition. I don't think the UK government really has for the most part, but... <laughs> We'll see. Well, I, I thought, yeah, I thought I heard a piece on uh, BBC. They were talking about sort of all the, you know, people are have been moving um, supplies and sort of thinking about what their supply chain would look like, and you know, the financial markets, what they're going to do if you know, if because um, the, the England is a huge hub of financial markets, so it, you know, there's a whole bunch of industries that are, you know, private industry once again. It, my, it, my perspective. It has been a financial market hub, but uh, it's not going to be after this. Yeah. And that kind of thing, moving corporate offices, you know, making contingency plans. You know, the private market is pretty good at, at seeing a big, um, you know, a big problem coming and um, jumping on it. So I think just like in this country that people, you know, even though they dismantled some of the environmental laws, a lot of companies continued to work on those issues. And so did a lot of local governments, you know, in spite of the federal government, the big behemoth that, you know, they, they are making plans and what their, um, you know, sources will be for some of the things that they make and, and all that. I think that's been going on pretty intensely because markets don't like disruption. They really don't. No, that's true. Well, I th- I think the uh, I think the consequences of the these market disruptions are mostly going to be felt in the UK at this point, and I think they're going to be just really disastrous. I'm I'm wondering 
it's it's hard to see that there's a price paid for incompetence and stupidity uh, in governments these days. Elector, you know, voters don't seem to be um, well. A lot of voters seem to be living in their own little worlds here. So, um, you know, it's not just a American problem with organizations like Newsmax, but um, yeah, I, I I I would think that the the massive incompetence and stupidity of the whole. Uh, Brexit endeavor would lead to the toppling of Johnson's government, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, the European Union doesn't really have any particular reason to to bail him out. So, no. Well, I thought Trump would. I thought Trump would extend some, uh, you know, trade sort of deals and and do all that. And then I thought about it more and I thought, no, actually, Trump might um, might basically take advantage of the situation. um, Why would you sort of burn burn the uk i think biden will be a lot more of extending a, a hand to our you know our oppressors and the i'm just kidding but to the to the brits and to the uk i think he'll probably try and help them that would be my guess and didn't he this i forget who's his um who's going to be his has he announced it we didn't talk about any of his potential appointments by the way did you see that he wanted to appoint merrick garland to um, AG, he's one of the top considerations. No, I hadn't seen that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that. It's not confirmed. It was like three insiders mentioned Merrick Garland. And I forget the other person that's in the in the hunt for that. So the thing yeah, I find well, well, most interesting is that he wants. Well, the thing I've heard the most about is putting uh, Pete Buttigieg in charge of the Department of Transportation. Um, a position for which he doesn't really have any particular background or qualifications. Um, but it, it yeah. looks to me like, oh, this is the perfect, you know, like, ah, it's an important government, to, you know, it's head of a, it's a cabinet position, it's an important department, but it's not that important. It's the kind of thing that nobody's really going to care about that much. And nobody's really going to squawk about like, well, you put Pete in charge of that, you know? So it, it really looks like Biden, uh, sort of like a political payoff of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. But did you, you may not have seen this. It just came out today. Um, I think her name is Hagland. She's a native American and he's trying to put, he's nominated her for, um, department of interior. Yeah. Which covers all the Indian territories and everything. This Uh is great. Yeah. This is like having Elizabeth Warren in charge of the treasury. You know, it's like, Oh, this will be fun to watch. So well, so I I think that's an interesting move. Maybe maybe they'll, so. they'll actually see some some land return to the uh, to the uh, Native American peoples from whom it was stolen. Well, she's she's actually a little on the conservative side. It's interesting, and she's given up. Um, she she believes that public land should be used for renewable resources. Interesting. Yeah, and I don't know what that means exactly, but that was sort of the you know the the subheading. So, and maybe that means, um, you know, underground, um, you know, you can use, uh, is it Iceland that, <clears throat> that fuels all their stuff with underground geothermal um, Iceland does. Yeah. Cause geothermal, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's an active volcanic Island. So, you know, I mean, Hawaii could yeah. do the same thing. <laughs> well, and so could the grand Canyon, right? That's a huge, um, that's a, a huge cauldron. I mean, grand um, Canyon? not the grand, not the grand Canyon. Um, it's my thesaurus tonight. We're all the steaming Yosemite. Yosemite. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, Yosemite. Uh, well, not Yosemite. You mean Yellowstone. 
Yellowstone. Yeah. Uh, now I'm sure. thinking of Yosemite Sam. Yeah, Yellowstone. <laughs> So I, I, I suppose if you want to turn a, one of the most fascinating natural parks in the world into, you know, uh, a power plant. Yeah. Which isn't, I, I don't, we definitely do need to re- re- reduce our carbon footprint, but we'll see. Uh, uh, and I'll be fascinated to see what, what that means to, to use public land in that way. But, yeah, I I hope it's not cutting down trees or I don't know who knows what. But anyway, it's it's interesting because she's more on the conservative side, although you know, uh, through and through and through Native well, American, I, which will I think be great. Be, I think uh, uh, some of the research I've seen suggests that uh, return to uh, indigenous land management uh, practices uh, uh, and restoring the sort of the uh, the Native American biome will uh, do a lot to help uh, carbon capture and uh, uh, reduce emissions and sequester uh, uh, carbon out of the atmosphere. And so that strikes me as a really good idea. Um, returning to a simpler life, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe not just returning to a simpler life, but uh, uh, allowing... Uh, you know the uh, uh, biosphere to, to 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 heal to heal and also reap benefits from that. So, yeah. Well, all all interesting, and I you know we'll just have to watch and see who who Biden picks for things. So, and oh, um, oh, I can't think of her name. Gina, she was head of the EPA, and he's putting her in charge of domestic climate change initiatives at the, at the white house sort of putting her in the in the Gina white house Gina Haspiel um has no. yeah is that her name I don't know yeah yeah <laughs> she's she's a real firebrand at the EPA she's the one who extended the waterways so the farmers were all complaining that um she was controlling their moats and things and it was like you know the law actually says inland waterways so they they tried to stop a lot of the pollution that's going on and um she went to to court over it she was actually she really dragged the epa into you know for a couple of centuries so but she's tough as a tough as nails so that'll be interesting to have her in charge of the climate climate change initiatives coming from the white house what else the environmentalists we've only got a couple of minutes left what else have you seen from the biden administration that's uh that you're approving of. <laughs> well, I just, I, I love a good show. What can I say? You know, politics is my, is my sport. Mm. So, um, I don't know. There's supposedly a Chris Christie commercial that's, that just got produced and it's him talking about why people need to wear masks and, um, get the vaccine. And I guess it's kind of a PSA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know who's behind it. I just saw it. I got an email message about it existing. I haven't seen it yet. But it's, um, I guess there's a, which is good. That's a good thing. And I think Biden's going to get the shot next week or so. And Pence is going to get the shot this week, maybe. And just model it for people and show them that it's safe. So Assuming that they, um, you know, Trump and the other uh, important figures in his administration, you know, haven't already secretly gotten uh, uh, vaccinated. I know. They they may have, but Trump's saying he's not going to because he's immune because he already had the he had the virus. 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, Flatterer Putin sent him some Sputnik 5. You sure he wouldn't take it? <laughs> Probably not. He's, he's kind of a suspicious guy, Trump. You know, he's not easily caged. You know, he's not easily cornered. He always leaves himself an out. So. But what a what a week. And, you know, when he's gone, I don't think we'll have as many news announcements a week. You know, right up oh, of course you know, not. until very recently, we've had, you know, 15, 20 things we could talk about every week that were like, you know, set your heart, hair on fire if you're a Democrat. And I think, you know, once once Biden comes in, we'll just it'll just be ho-hum, we, you know. I think that really depends upon how obstructive the uh, Republican Party wants to be to uh, Joe Biden fixing the country. And also, um, you know, how good uh, Donald Trump is at getting the news media to pay attention to him uh, once he's out of office. Um, on the one hand, he's he's clearly got a knack for it. But on the other hand, I, I you know, it does require that the news media decide they want to they want to play along. So. Uh, he, well, he they did in his, his welcome. <laughs> well, you know, even in his campaign, or even when Obama was running, you know, he would he got he got Obama to produce his birth certificate. He has he has a knack. You're right. So I think he'll keep it up. And you're right. The news media hopefully will not cover it quite as intensely as they have been. Yeah. Well, uh, we should leave it there because we are uh, sort of at the end of our time here. So. Uh, uh, that's going to do it for civil politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. We've got uh, subculture coming up at uh, eight o'clock, uh, followed by table of contents at ten o'clock, and then OK Asia at midnight. So a nice mix of music uh, coming up for you to take you uh, into the into the dreamland. And uh, we will have a uh, repeat airing of this show on Monday at four. So listen to us all over again. And uh, podcast of this show is going to be uploaded to the various streaming services and posted to our website probably over the weekend. Um, but that's going to do it for now. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I happy think, snowstorm. Yeah, happy <laughs> snowstorm. I think Hanukkah's uh, finishing up and uh, obviously yep. the Christmas and the Feast of Sol Invictus and Whatever else uh, uh, floats your boat. <laughs> Quinzai. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. New Year. I'm so ready for New Year. I, I just have to say, I do not want to look back. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, <laughs> when people say hindsight is 2020, usually they mean it as a good thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that'll do it for hindsight now. Is... <laughs> Thanks for listening to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.